I would love for people to know that they're not alone, that no matter what their challenges are, that there are people who understand them and care for them and love them just as they are in this moment that feels very imperfect and very challenging so that they're not alone. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and I am honored to share our guest with you today. His name is Stephen Washington. He's the author of Recovering You, Soul Care, and Mindful Movement for Overcoming Addiction. And if you're listening to this, you're saying, I don't have a drug problem. Listen, this is going to be so illuminating. Whether you are overcoming addiction yourself or know somebody who's overcoming addiction, Stephen's wisdom is applicable to anybody. And I'm so excited to share it with you today. He is a former professional dancer who performed on Broadway and Disney's Lion King, and his love of movement inspired him to become the highly acclaimed Qigong and Pilates teacher that he is today. He enjoys a life of joyful recovery. He's passionate about helping others, and he hosts a monthly Heart Mind Moments YouTube series with videos on physical, emotional, and spiritual health. And his work has been viewed by over a million people I can't wait for you to experience it too. Stephen, welcome to The Daily Helping. It is wonderful to have you with us today. Thanks for having me, Dr. Richard. Lovely to meet you. Absolutely. I'm really enjoying your energy, by the way. Thank you. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to tell my wife you said that. That's good stuff. Uh, <laughs> I, so I, I'm so interested because, you know, everybody loves The Lion King, of course. So we have to talk about that. But it, we let's go back in time. Let's because you you obviously are on a very different path than you probably thought you would be, you know, when you were performing on Broadway. So let's hop into the Stephen Washington time machine Let's go back and tell us kind of your superhero origin story. I want to hear what puts you on the path you're on today. Ah, so interesting. Well, thank you for that question. Yes, I did do The Lion King. <laughs> I did that show for about, gosh, somewhere between nine and I think eight or eight or ten years. I can't remember exactly. The further I get away from it, the the, the less clear it is in my head. But almost a decade, I did that show and I started doing it in 2001. Uh, I, from a very young age, I, I loved movement. I love creativity. I was the kid who would dance around the living room, uh, put music on and just dance and lose myself, which was a great thing. I think it was one of my first, uh, coping tools that I, that I learned that I gathered and I didn't even know that that's what I was doing, but, uh, dance and, and creative expression was something that helped me because I, 
was a very sensitive kid. I grew up in a very chaotic, very traumatic uh, up, uh, environment with my, my family. And I was a nervous kid. I used to bite my nails and, and trying so many different ways to just make myself feel better in my body. Uh, and movement was definitely one of those things that helped me to do that. Uh, like I said, it was a crazy, crazy upbringing I had, and my family was nuts, and they were all trying their best to to survive. And I think one of the ways that they survived was to drink and to use drugs and to to self soothe for themselves. Uh, and I remember at the age of fifteen having my first drink and feeling like I was suddenly okay in the world. Like I could suddenly breathe. I could suddenly exhale. And I felt like I could connect with people. And I basically chased that for uh, 20 some odd years, that same feeling of okayness. And I did that for a long time until it didn't work anymore. And in the midst of all that, I managed to have a really great and successful dance career in New York. I danced uh, in small dance companies and I eventually made my way to the Broadway stage and did The Lion King. It was the only show that I'd ever saw on stage that I could immediately see myself in it. I could envision it and that was pretty amazing. And I remember going to the audition on a whim, making it down to the last five to 10 guys out of 150, didn't get the job, but walked out of that audition feeling so damn proud of myself because I, I, <laughs> I didn't know if I could do it that morning, if I could actually muster up the courage to do it. <laughs> and I did it. And it didn't matter that I didn't get the job. But then a year later, they called me and asked me to come back for an audition. And I thought I was going to walk into a similar situation. It was just me. It was just me. And within two weeks, I was on a plane to um, Toronto, Ontario, and I joined the Canada the Canadian cast of The Lion King and eventually made my way to Broadway. But it was a tricky time for me because I was actively drinking and doing drugs. And um, I was in probably one of the most stressful periods of my career at that time. I didn't know how to manage, manage it all. And eventually I, I had uh, really reached my bottom and I had gotten to the point where I couldn't imagine another day of drinking or doing drugs. And I also couldn't imagine another day without doing it. And luckily I had a friend who was in recovery, who was just a shining light, a beacon of light. Um, he was just such an amazing uh, example of how to live a good life and a healthy life and to not drink. And so I went to him and I was very honest about what was happening. And he took me to my first recovery meeting. And the rest is kind of history. And I've been sober for the last little over 20 years. But what I can say is that the practices that I teach in Recovering You are things that came into my life, the majority of the things that came into my life about 10 years sober. I was in grad school for Chinese medicine. I thought that that's what I wanted to do. I was so certain that that's what I was supposed to do with my life going forward after I left dance. And I got there, I moved all the way to California to do it. And I got there to only to realize that that's not what I was meant to do. That's not what I wanted to do. But I was terrified because I, I had this thought in my mind that when you make a decision to do something, you can't change your mind. We can always change our mind. But I had a very rigid way of, of 
viewing my life and viewing the world. And so uh, it set me into the spiral of panic and shame and worry and anxiety. And uh, one of the things that began to give me relief was the Qigong that I began to learn in the program. And what it did for me was it helped me to energize my body and calm down those the turbulent emotions I was feeling and also to quiet my mind because my mind was going a thousand miles a minute. I was in fight or flight. And Qigong has the amazing ability to help me and everyone to self-soothe and self-regulate. And once I had that experience, I knew that, oh, this is something I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And I'm going to share this with other people because it's something that's that we could all do and we can all tap into the healing powers that exist within us. And that's basically what led me to here, to this moment of writing the book and, and having this beautiful conversation with you about it. Wow. Thank you for sharing that, Stephen. Uh, we're going to talk about the book in a little bit, but there's something you said that I'm curious. You were going down this path of learning Chinese medicine and then had this kind of crisis because you realized that's not what you were meant to do. What caused that realization? I just, when I walked into that environment, into that school, I suddenly felt triggered. I felt triggered by trauma from the past of, of being in school before and not being able to manage the experience, uh, not feeling good enough, not feeling though as though I belonged, uh, not feeling though as though I was smart enough, all those things that your mind tells you that you can't do or that you can do. And it just, it, it, it overwhelmed me. It overwhelmed me. And it felt like it was possibly going to be something that would make me drink again. If I didn't figure out a way to, to get past it. So I that's basically what it was for me. I think there's, there's a bit of an irony in that, you know, you steered away from Chinese medicine, but, Qigong shares many principles there within. Um, what led you to Qigong? Well, it was part of the program at the Chinese Medicine School. And, and it's not a very far jump for me being a dancer and being a Pilates instructor to find some sort of resonance with a movement practice. And I immediately took to the practice because I felt results almost instantaneously. It almost immediately calmed me down because I would walk into the class, all my classes feeling nervous, feeling anxious, feeling overwhelmed. And every time I began to breathe deeply at the beginning of the practice and then to slowly move my body with, with awareness and, and notice how I was breathing and really tried to guide the energy through my body with my mind, I felt better. I felt better. And that was a revelation for me because nothing had quite done that same thing for me. Dance did a little bit, but there was something very different about this mindful movement practice of Qigong. And so that's what drew, drew me to it and, and encouraged me to pursue it beyond my time in Chinese medicine school. We, we've talked about Qigong once on another episode of the show, and I think it was a couple of years ago. So if anybody hasn't heard that or they're new to Qigong, as many people are here listening to this, I'm sure, give us a 
Qigong 101, Stephen. Okay, Qigong 101. Here we go. So Qigong is an ancient Chinese healthcare system that uh, combines flowing movement, uh, standing postures, deep breathing, and focused intention to activate, cultivate, and circulate life force energy. And life force energy is basically the energy that makes our heartbeat and, and helps to power every aspect of our being, our body, mind, and spirit. When you take the word Qigong, and there are multiple um, spellings for that word, Qi means energy and breath, and Gong means work or skill. So the practice of Qigong is a practice of becoming more skillful at managing our own energy. And it's a practice that is, is available to each and every one of us, no matter what your um, experience with it, no matter what your physical abilities are or limitations. It's a very adaptable movement modality, and it's something that could just benefit everyone, especially when it comes to stress management. So it's interesting because it, it to me, I've always felt that Qigong is kind of a blend of a bunch, a bunch of things. It's kind of got some elements that are very much like yoga movements. It's got like med it's got meditative qualities to it. It's got breath work to it, but it also has these forms of motion that remind me of karate. So it feels like it's a lot of these different disciplines put into a blender is what it feels like. <laughs> well, I think that there are different focuses for Qigong. There are some practices, some some styles of Qigong that focus more on martial arts, so fighting, combat, hand to hand. Then there's also another segment that focuses on health and well-being. And then there's also a segment that focuses on spirituality. So there's thousands of different types of, of Qigong, and they're all uh, as unique as the people who, who practice them and who, who teach them and who develop them. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you. And I can't wait to see where you'll go. So somebody's listening to this and they're thinking to themselves, okay, this sounds really cool, but I don't know if I want to learn hand-to-hand -hand combat or the other, like how does one go and kind of discern the differences between the Qigong styles or find the right one for them? Well, the thing is there are, for instance, there are different styles that of course, that are more, more about fighting or self-defense and those things condition the body in a certain way, but most are, are more about wellness, more about overall health and well-being. And, and a lot of them kind of combine all three aspects, not just focus on focuses on one. For instance, uh, the teachers that I studied with, they what they offer, much like what I teach, is a blend of all of that. So talk to us a little bit about 
the flavor of Qigong, the Washington, or I guess it's Washingtonian Qigong, isn't it? <laughs> so tell us about your Qigong. Well, I was trained by Lee Holden, who was a very well-known uh, Qigong instructor. And one of the things that drew me to Lee was that he made the practice very accessible, uh, very friendly to, to folks living um, in Western cultures. And I really like that. I like the way that he teaches it with a level of humor. And, um, and I think that that's just fun and really accessible. So that's kind of how I teach because I am a certified Lee Holden teacher. But I've also uh, studied with Robert Pang and I've also studied with Dr. Roger Yankee. And so I pull from a lot of different people and Kenneth Cohen, because there are a lot of wonderful teachers out there, a lot of wonderful Qigong masters. And I'm a big proponent of just taking what you need and what resonates with you from multiple sources and just making it your own and making it something that's useful to, to me. And I think what I bring to my students is a practice that's useful for them as well. Wonderful. So I want to shift gears a little bit. We said we were going to come back to the book and we are right now. So uh, I'm curious, tell us though, how long you had been doing the Qigong and then when did the light bulb go off for you that, oh, I need to write this book, Recovering You? Well, I was first introduced to Qigong in 2014 and I began to practice it then. And it, and it really helped me tremendously in my recovery and just in my life in general. I didn't formally begin to teach it until I met my husband, Lee, Lee Harris, who is an energy intuitive and musician and uh, speaker. And we went on a tour of uh, many different uh, cities and countries around the world. And we went to Australia and I brought Qigong to the workshops that he taught. And that was the first time I had ever taught the material. I wasn't even certified at the time, but I'd studied the, the practice. And because I had taught movement and other forms for so many years, I knew that I could, I could teach it. And I knew that I could use what I learned in Chinese medicine school as a foundation for it. And then after that, I began to, to uh, study it even more and eventually became certified. But like I said, it had been a part of my recovery because it just, it helped me so much. It, it, it took me to where I needed to go at that point in my recovery, which is about 10 plus years into being sober. Uh, and that led me to, in 2018, to create an online course where I basically taught a lot of the material that's in the book. And I knew at that point when I was creating that course that this was the beginning of the conversation I was going to have with people about these practices and how they could help anyone in recovery, but not even just help people in recovery, also help people who love people who are in recovery because we're all affected by addiction and recovery. Um, it's just so pervasive. So it wasn't until 2020 during the pandemic where I had the opportunity to have a conversation with New World Library about writing a book. And what came to mind as a great subject for the book was this material. And in the middle of the night, I came up with the idea of recovering you. And, um, and then I set up forth to put all this information down on paper and to really refine the, the tools that I share in the book 
uh, in a way that would be accessible and digestible and applicable to many different people. Well, I, I think that's so salient because yes, even if we are not in recovery, there's a good chance we know somebody's in recovery, but the tools that you've created in this book really are, would be applicable to anybody who's dealing with stress and challenges in their life. So I, I love the title, you know, recovery, the subtitle, soul care and mindful movement. So are, are the chi? is this, this is the Qigong piece, right? This is the, the Washingtonian Qigong, right? It's the <laughs> mindful movements in, in a way that helps kind of recalibrate the body so that you don't have to perhaps succumb to substances or alcohol as a means of dealing with emotional distress. Is that what we're talking about here? Well, the, the soul care is in the, is it's yes, the movement is the pillar of the, of the work, but there's so many other practices in the book that, that tend to the health and the well being of the body, the mind and the spirit. So I think that they all work well together. And I believe that in any kind of recovery, we have to just cast a wide net and gather as many different tools as we possibly can in order to help us to live a better life, more healthier life and more empowered uh, way of being. And I think of the practices in this book, movement being, again, the pillar is just one facet of a person's recovery program for themselves. Uh, I talk about 12-step recovery in the book a bit, but and I and 12-step has helped many different people. It's not for everyone, but I, it's provided me with a great foundation in which to build upon. So I always recommend that people take what's in the book, but also add it to another uh, multiple um, approaches in order to really meet their needs in terms of recovering from addiction. Let's talk about the soul care element, because whether you're in addiction or not, everybody can use some of that. So talk to us about some of the tools and strategies that one would utilize to take charge of their soul is not the right expression, but to soothe their soul. Maybe that's the better expression. Well, I think everything in the book that I teach is, is soul care because it tends to the body, the mind, and the spirit. And those three parts of ourselves cannot be separated. They're all, uh, they're all connected and intertwined and interdependent. And the body is the foundation for the, the emotions and for the mind and the spirit. So everything in the book tends to that, whether it is the, the community building that I established in the book, the journaling, the, the, the compassionate inquiry, the uh, very accessible in the moment exercises that people can do to begin to pick apart their fears or their sense of isolation or the shame that they feel or being able to come up with a, a plan of action for when they feel triggered or looking at their their social support network do they have people around them who can help them to to make their lives better because no one can uh, get through this life alone. We all need help. We all need support. And people who are dealing with addiction especially need support and need to have a vibrant social support network. 
And I also wrap up the book by talking about gratitude and how important gratitude is to our overall health and well-being. Because when we focus on what's wrong, most of the time we get more of what's wrong. And when we focus our minds on what we already have and what we have that's that's that we can be grateful for, it helps us to cultivate more things to be grateful for. And then also developing a faith, like a faith in ourselves, which is hard to do when you've when you've disappointed yourself over and over again because of addiction, you've said that you're not going to do A, B, or C, and you do because you feel this compulsion, you feel this powerlessness over it, um, how to build trust back in yourself eventually, and then also a trust in a power greater than yourself, whatever that is for the individual. So all of that together tends to the health and well-being of your soul. You had mentioned, and I I know that there's many of them, but you had mentioned some of these little quick tools that people can do in the moment. You know, if they're feeling anxiety or shame or feeling isolated, share one or two of those tools with us right now so that people listening to this could implement them right away if they had to. Well, one of the things that I thought was really important about how to present this material to, to the reader was to lay a foundation for self-care from the very beginning. So the practicing self-care and addiction uh, recovery is probably the second chapter in the book. And I felt like that's really important because A, we all need to take care of ourselves. Taking care of ourselves is our full-time job and our commitment to it ebbs and flows um, over time. Um, But it's something that we all uh, need to do. And very few of us do enough of it or do it well. So I wanted to provide just simple practices that one can do, starting with the breath, connecting to your breath. We all take countless numbers of breaths each and every day to nourish our body. Um, Many of us don't do it well. A lot of us walk around holding our breath, which creates um, tension in the body. And just being able to connect to your breath, to be able to connect to your breath, to bring a certain level of presence. We often focus a lot of our attention on the past or on the future. So the past with regret and the future with sometimes fear or worry or anxiety, but connecting to the breath brings us right to the present moment. When you couple that with self-massage, I teach that in the book as well, that brings us to a level of presence and self-care and, um, And I think that's really important and something that's accessible. Self-massage is something that we all intuitively do. When we have a headache, we tend to bring our hands to our temples and we rub our head. That's just a a very primitive, simple way that we engage with one part of our body with another in order to bring about some sort of relief. So this just applies some a level of intention, intentionality around self-soothing and self-regulating. And then just meditation. I talk about meditation and how important meditation and mindfulness are in self-care. And meditation sometimes for some people, it can be a very intimidating thing. They think that they have to sit cross-legged for at least 20 minutes and chant and transform themselves and transport themselves in a way. (laughs) Um, But it can be much simpler than that. I remember being at a 12-step meeting at the beginning of my sobriety and someone said meditation for them is as simple as turning the hot water on for coffee in the morning and just sitting and breathing and being quiet for the five minutes it takes for the water to boil. 
Very That's cool. a wonderful way to start. I love uh, it. Yeah. And so those are some of the in the moment um, practices that, that I teach. And I'll, and I'll finish with one other thing. At the very end of the book, I offer a practice called breath prayers, where we combine the physical, the physiological act of breathing with intention, where you breathe in and out. And as you breathe in, you imagine cultivating something that you feel like you need in your life. And as you breathe out, you release that thing that may be standing in the way. Oftentimes I'm looking for more peace. So as I inhale, I'll think about drawing in more peace. And as I exhale, I try to imagine releasing any fear or worry or anxiety. Doing that for five minutes can do so much for you. In addition to how it helps your body, it also helps to shift your mind and also creates a level of faith and optimism. And that's really important for all of us, but especially if you are uh, dealing with addiction and entering into recovery. This is beautiful stuff, Stephen, and I'm really enjoying it. I, I wish we had more time to chat, but time absolutely has flown by. And as you know, I wrap up every episode with a single question. And that is, Stephen, what is your biggest helping that one most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today? I would love for people to know that they're not alone. That no matter what their challenges are, that there are people who understand them and care for them and love them just as they are in this moment that feels very imperfect and very challenging so that they're not alone. Wonderfully said. Tell us where people can find out more about you online and get their hands on your book. Yes. So, uh, stephenwashingtonexperience.com is my website where you can find links to buy the book online, as well as links to uh, buy the audiobook, which comes with a PDF. There's also um, other online courses that I offer on my site, as well as other writings that I've, uh, that I've written over the years. And also my membership community called the, SW, the SWE Studio, where I teach a Pilates and Qigong fusion class to my uh, community members every month. And I provide other wellness content. And I like to think of SWE Studio as kind of continuing education to what I offer in, in the book. Because again, self-care is a full-time job. And one of the things that we all are charged with doing is taking better care with us, taking better care of ourselves as we grow and change. So that's where people can find me as well as all the links to my social media, YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn. Beautiful. TikTok, all that stuff. Gotta have TikTok. We will, <laughs> uh, we will have links to everything Stephen Washington in the show notes at thedailyhelping.com. Uh, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us today. I love the conversation and keep doing what you're doing. The world needs it. Thank you, Dr. Richard. And to each and every one of you who took time out of your busy day to listen to our conversation, thank you as well. If you like what you heard, go give us a follow on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that is what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. 